When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Matthew Smith, founder and CEO of PeopleLogic AI. What I set out to solve originally with PeopleLogic was really, you know, how do we make better managers? How do we use technology and data to be able to augment our managers on their way to better understanding their people and to help them maintain growth and be able to not slip and fall or trip over their shoelaces as the as the company's growing? And we come from selling enterprise software, but the businesses that we ran were you know high growth startups and you know to be successful a lot of things have to happen correctly along the way right and there's so many opportunities for failure and you know what we saw was that if you can stop even 20 percent of those from happening or from having a big impact on your team or getting you off track you're going to be that much more successful this is matthew He's an experienced entrepreneur and operator with a history of building and launching products and growing businesses. Early in his career, he led DZone's media business unit responsible for DZone.com, a popular website and publisher for the global software developer community. He was the architect behind its community platform, AnswerHub, and attracted a global audience of millions of technology professionals. Today, he's the CEO of PeopleLogic AI, a startup that's on a mission to make growth scalable. PeopleLogic is an AI-augmented mission control for SMB teams. It monitors, alerts, and predicts outcomes about immediate risks and opportunities within a business, so they can focus where it counts and get ahead of problems before it sinks them. And this resonated with me, and hence I invited Matthew to my podcast. We explore the challenges that SMB organizations have due to the lack of information and insights, and how easily they can get off track as a consequence of that, especially when they grow. Many cannot anticipate the big waves that can take them out, let alone take advantage of the opportunities before the competition does. We also dig into the key question of what is required to build a remarkable software business and what to do in order to keep living up to that. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, why technology is only a piece of what makes a company successful. Secondly, how to thrive if you're launching your new product at the start of the world's largest pandemic that we can remember. Thirdly, how to carve out your own blue ocean by democratizing technology that was typically only available to the enterprise. 
And lastly, why you should avoid comparing your company to others. Well, hi, Matthew. Thank you for making the time today and be a guest on my podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it and looking forward to it. Well, the same is true for me. I mean, I reached out on LinkedIn because I'm always on a hunt for those stories, the compelling stories about the value that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And that's what I saw in the company that you run, that you founded actually last year, PeopleLogic. So yeah, we'll talk a lot about, about your company in the next half hour or a little bit longer maybe. But before we start, one thing I'm always interested in to share with my audience is, is what characterizes the people that run those companies. So if you had, would have to find, to use two or three words that characterizes you as a leader, what would that be? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I think driven is probably one. And, you know, I, I would probably say problem solver. And really problem solving is about, is really at the heart of, of part of why we founded the company. Well, that's exactly what we're going to next indeed. Problem solving and then, of course, being driven to really solve it and yeah, share the vision. Or no, deliver the vision to the world. So exactly. yeah, talking about your, your company, you said it was founded about a year ago, middle of 2019. Since you are a problem solver, what was the big problem that you saw in the market that could not wait to be solved? Another great question. And, you know, like so many things, we've evolved the problem that we were originally setting out to solve. And so, you know, this is actually my second company. My last one, we we grew from two guys on a couch to 50 plus people and a successful exit to a private equity firm. And along the way, we, we did a lot of things right, but we did a lot of things wrong as well. And so, you know, what I set out to solve originally with PeopleLogic was really, you know, how do we make better managers? How do we use technology and data to be able to augment our managers on their way to better understanding their people and to help them maintain growth and be able to not slip and fall or trip over their shoelaces as the, as the company's growing? And, you know, one of the ways that we've evolved that over the past couple of months is that now we're, the problem that we're focused on solving is using this data to be able to predict the risks and the opportunities to the business as a whole beyond just simply the problems that a manager runs into. But, you know, how do we prevent that 430 email from an irate customer or the daily standup that the CEO calls because of a problem that's already impacted your business and now you're just simply trying to pick up the pieces afterwards? And so how do you get out in front of those? Or how do you pick up on an opportunity that your business can take advantage of before your competition does? And so those okay. are the types of problems that we're trying to tackle here. Because you see that too many companies fail because managers, well, drop too many balls. Well, in small companies in particular, the managers are being both a manager and an individual contributor. And with things like training and coaching and you wind up, those are one-offs. And so you need that incremental augmentation and they need to be able to see they don't have the insights that they can get about their team simply by being in the room. And particularly in these days, they can't be in the same room with their team. And so we look at all the data that their teams are generating from the tools they're actually using every day, things like Office 365 or Google Suite or Atlassian's tools or Salesforce or HubSpot, and give these managers and these executives a view about how their company is performing and how their team works and how their team is connected both across their teams and to their customers. 
very interesting approach. That's, that's the first one I actually have on my podcast that's about orchestrating that particular aspect. Yesterday, I actually had someone on my podcast that was about orchestrating something else, but for the orchestrating, is a keeper here. Well, I mean, when you started, I thought you were going into the direction of the area that I'm coming from, enterprise resource planning systems. Because, <laughs> of course, a lot of the data and a lot of the, the processes that are the company is running are embedded into those type of applications. <clears throat> but you're actually sitting on top of that and taking a far broader, broader perspective. No, that's exactly right. We are, we're sitting on top of the tools that businesses are using. And, you know, our play is really focused on SMBs and growth tech yeah. companies. You know, we come from selling enterprise software, but the businesses that we ran were, you know, high growth startups. Yeah. And, you know, to be successful, a lot of things have to happen correctly along the way, right? And there's yeah. so many opportunities for failure and, you know, what we saw was that if you can stop even 20% of those from happening or from having a big impact on your team or getting you off track, you're going to be that much more successful. Well, talking about 20%, often it's the 20% is, is the 80% impact. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, typically, I agree with your point about high growth. The moment something is steady or incremental, it evolves sort of almost automatically and people can typically catch up. But the moment it really is steep... And today's companies, you know, they're all aiming for this exponential thing. Like don't grow 10% or 20%, no, grow 2x, 3x, 4x. And then suddenly you have to grow up really, really fast. And like you're saying, I mean, when you, when you start and you create a company and you have founders, well, they, you all start as contributors because you're together, but then it grows, you get teams, but still that you're, you're very much needed with different heads on. And that's where things uh, fall through, through the cracks. Uh, like absolutely, this, uh, and there's so many different, you know, as the business is growing, you start to have so many different sources of information. And, you know, the spreadsheet that you use to manage the business and to pull in your stats about how your business is performing don't apply anymore. And they're, you know, they become too hard to manage and they're always looking into the past versus looking towards the future. And so, you know, what we're doing is giving these companies a really a a way to predict where their business is going based on the, the way their teams are actually interacting and actually performing. Okay. Yeah, that's, another, that's another aspect of, well, typically what I'm look, looking for in this podcast, the augmentation side, which is about starting to be the guide, to create buddies, a technological buddy that helps mm -hmm. you to become better. So what is the opportunity if we get this right? If companies start to use this, what typically happens? What can you see already from your early customers? So, you know, our early customers are really heavily using our, our recommendations capability. And that's really focused on how do we help the managers pay attention to the things that are important about their team that they're often to forget, right? So how do we know whether your team is, you know, maybe not following the best practices for that you've set out for your engineering team? Or maybe a particular team member who's not quite keeping up with their CRM updates. And so, yeah. you know, we're giving you the types of insights right now that are focused on helping you stay on top of your team as your team grows and as your team's use of tools spreads. Yeah. So it's typically not derailing and seeing exactly. the early signs of, of derailing. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that these type of scenarios now suddenly start to drop from the sky where they've never been 
that important or never been well looked at as something that would be possible more and more organizations and technology companies start to kind of go into that like yeah helping you to kind of stay on track with with the knowledge that's available and yeah and connecting dots i would say that's interesting absolutely because when you start to look at how does your team you know let's take the example of a customer success team and you know they have a ticket that's open with one of your key customers but they're blocked waiting for an engineer to fix the problem or to push a new feature. And in the midst of that, they've stopped updating the customer. And this is your biggest customer. And then all of a sudden, your CEO is getting an email from this customer because they're really upset about the lack of updates from your team. And you know they're threatening to pull their contract. And all of a sudden, now you've got this big problem. And the CEO is now you know, setting the entire company on fire trying to chase down this problem. And yep, this happens over and over and over again as your company scales, right? And so what, that's the problem in a nutshell that we're focused on solving and giving these companies this mission control view of their company so that they can stay out ahead of those types of problems. Nice word, nice analogy, mission control, because that's what it is. So, I mean, yeah, there's not a long, big history of the company, but what I'm always interested in is to understand, like from the aha moment where you, when you started building, then you, yeah, you pick your subject, you try to solve that, and you make technology choices. What did you do specifically in order to make this a solution that not only, not only stands out, but also is hard to copy, hard to imitate by, by potential future competitors? You know, that's an interesting thing because, you know, I think building a company is really a series of aha moments as you build it. And each time gives you that energy, that momentum to be able to jump to the next stage. And so, you know, when we started the company, we really focused on building the right team and setting the right foundation for the company. So the technology is really only a piece of what makes a company successful, as I'm sure Uh you're pointing out in your book. You know, we set out with the right mission. We set out by defining the core company values and we set out by building, you know, surrounding the idea with the right kinds of people that could help us build it. Because that is really the differentiator between us and anyone else that's trying to build it. Anybody can build technology, right? But it's the team that makes the difference as we're starting to build this. It's the team that inspires each other and keeps each other motivated in the hard times. And yeah. gives us that opportunity to really be out ahead of the competition. So can you give an example of any of those values? Yeah. So one of our core values is calm and being really focused in the face of adversity and complexity. Let's see. Another one is we have growth mindset, which yeah. is you know making us being focused on how we continue to advance the platform and change the world. Ownership. That's a, good a big one. one for me. Right. So ownership is focused on making sure that everybody feels like they have a stake in the outcome and making sure that they're part of the solution. And then honestly, you know, transparency and candor and making sure that as part of the team, everybody feels empowered to speak openly and honestly about how they feel and has a voice as we try to build the company. And then the final one is building to scale. And so making sure that we don't cut corners as we start to build this, particularly since you know, we're dealing with people data and we're dealing with company information across all these platforms. We want to make sure that we don't cut corners. And so it's important that we always build it from the beginning for the scalability that that companies are going to require. 
Can you give an example of that? Because that's an interesting one in itself. Cutting because a lot of I've seen it from the companies that I've been working with, actually companies that I've been working for, at some point, sort of the I think it also has to do with your first core value growth mindset. The growth mindset switches to more of okay, we are successful now. Now we can sort of start to harvest and then the metrics start to change. For example, they become much more revenue and profit oriented. And with that, quarterly results come in because private equity, for example, is also involved. And that's where cutting, cutting corners starts because it, then it needs to be quick and dirty. And I mean, I applaud for it that you take, say, okay, this needs to be for scale. Therefore, we go and do the hard work. Can you give an example of that? Yeah, and usually this tends to, you know, so I think there's two two great examples of that. One, you know, when I made my first hire, our VP of growth, you know, one of the first things we did was set out and pick the right tools to help him be able to automate our marketing and automate our messaging from day one. And yeah. so instead of, you know, making, you know, trying to run things with a spreadsheet from our marketing, we bought a proper CRM, we brought, bought a proper automatic marketing automation tool and set out to build that one so that we wouldn't have to come back later and re-implement that process. In our engineering side, one of our key metrics is our test coverage. And so making sure that from day one, we're focused on, okay, we actually need to have a certain amount of test cases to cover how our team is building the platform. And, you know, it extends to how do we, you know, what are the tools that we pick to build the platform and making sure that we use best of breed tools, making yeah. sure that we are, you know, buying the proper versions of these platforms and making sure that they're tried and true and we have relationships with the vendors. Yeah, that's a good one. one it reminds me actually of an interview I did with Oren Hoffman, who is the CEO, oh, I forgot the name of the company. Anyway, Oren Hoffman. And he said, all of my people that I hire, I want them to, well, I give them actually a budget I said, you, you got money available to scale yourself. And that's what I ask you to do. And actually, i almost demand you to do. He said, I, I would almost say you're a Warren Buffett and you're a capital allocator. And if you can scale yourself, do it. If you can scale your team, do it. Because there's, a company doesn't get successful by growing in size. You know, mm-hmm. It's not that, that you're suddenly more successful if you have a thousand people working for you. It actually creates more problems. And I mean, I think that's also what you're solving with your software that a company can actually take on much more weight, drop less balls as they grow, but not necessarily growing with people. Absolutely correct that you do have more problems as you add more people. They're bigger problems. They're different problems. But these small companies that are growing, you know, they are often more scrappy and are able to carry more weight, but only if your people are focused on doing the right things and not, you know, buried in the minutia that you know, that keeps them from staying focused on what's actually important. Yeah, indeed. So where are you now in your product life cycle? Uh, I mean, what I believe is the product is out there. There's, there's early customers. What have you learned kind of learn, launching this in the sales process, marketing process? It's an interesting thing. So we officially launched the first version of our platform on March 17th. So right as the US <laughs> here went to, yeah, right in the middle of this COVID pandemic, we decided to launch a new product, which has been really interesting because it's forced us to refine our messaging and our onboarding and be very focused on the customer experience. 
and be very focused on clearly defining the problem that we're solving and how that relates to you know the delivering of value to the customers or potential customers. And so, you know, we in the time since then we've been you know really very focused on improving the onboarding process and making it easier to get connected to the tools that you're using and getting into the marketplaces that for these different tools and expanding the types of insights that that we give customers and so wow. you know we we've continued to iterate over the past 3 months we've got a couple dozen early pilot customers that are you know starting to see value from the platform and you know we continue to to iterate every day <laughs> so you've been working months and months and months to launch you got your messaging all tied up and then you launch and this happens and then everything <laughs> needs to change <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I'll be the, the first to admit that we chased many different rabbits as the pandemic progressed and we started to, you know, whether we are we offering things for free because of the two people who are impacted by COVID, are we focusing on remote work, are we, you know, everything that you've seen and, you know, trying to get the word out in and among the endless stream of messages and noise around, you know, this, this whole pandemic. So yeah. it's been a very interesting time, you know, having, having run a company through the financial downturn in 2008 and really getting my start back in the, the dot-com era of 2001. This one has been entirely different. Oh, that's for sure. I can imagine. Yeah. These are always good lessons to learn and to the key takeaways from. So, I completely agree with you that, that the messaging has been extremely important in the last three, four months during the pandemic. And I think a lot of companies have started to realize that because one of the things that I always see with the companies that I start working with is that their messaging is very generic, uh, try to please everybody. And what you now, now need in the pandemic, first of all, to review what part of our message is actually still relevant or even worse, like not, not offending because in the number of cases it was. So what have you learned from this? What has, how have you, well, talking about your words there, how have you been able to cut through the noise? So I think the, the focus on value and focus on the, the impact to their business and the success that they'll see by using a platform like this. So, you know, in these times, companies are always hesitant to try a new tool. And, you know, it also has forced us to really focus on who our ideal buyer is for this yep. type of platform. And, you know, many of the individual managers and people managers at the types of companies we're, we're focused on have just really been focused on keeping their heads down and just being focused, trying to make sure their teams are succeeding, make sure people are healthy. So many different concerns, right? Yep. And, you know, not just the concern about their business, but their concern about their families. And so, mental health and mental well-being has been a huge thing that we've had to just be conscious of and making sure that our messaging doesn't come off tone deaf as we True. focus on, you know, trying to sell something, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but it, you know, does force us to just make sure that we're paying attention to the world at large as we try to sell. That's true. And all of these things at the end come on top of what they were already doing, where they were already stretched. Because, I mean, exactly. the reason you started your company was to solve that problem, not, well, and now it's that problem plus this problem. Exactly. Nobody imagined that they were, in addition to their job, they were going to need to be exactly. a social worker or a psychologist. <laughs> but that has quickly become part of the job as well, at least for the, the good managers. Yeah. 
Were there any super big obstacles that you had to overcome in this period where you said, wait a minute, <laughs> this is uh, either up or under? That's a great question. I mean, I think our the biggest thing that we've had to overcome is just right leveling the, you know, so many of these tools that we partner with as you try to go into their marketplaces have such stringent requirements to get in, particularly for the type of data that we're processing. And so finding the right balance of, you know, here's the level that we can achieve here at the same time, having that be cost effective for us, but at the same time, making sure that it's, you know, it looks trustworthy. It feels trustworthy. It feels cohesive and straightforward for our customers. And so that has really, you know, making that whole process of connecting the tools in a way that doesn't require you to spend a month or two months getting up and running has been, you know, really one of our biggest challenges. Yeah. What actually strikes me, I was making a referral that I initially thought you were sort of in the enterprise resource planning space. But now that I realize it, you know, you're in all those spaces, CRM or customers, support, possibly development. You're picking up messages from email. You're picking up messages from, from communities, maybe. So you're all these different platforms that need to be connected. So what have you done to your technology in order to understand all of that and to come up with something that is actually useful rather than just more burden? (laughs) No. So, you know, the first step is to connect to those. And so we've done that and we've achieved it and we've built a platform that can aggregate that information at scale. And we've built a platform that's able to, you know, look at the different activity that individual employees are generating across these different tools and being able Mm -hmm. to make recommendations about that activity, you know, whether it's the communication to a customer or whether it's, you know, not updating tickets or whether it's not moving, you know, leveraging your CRM fully. What we're building now is, you know, putting together this connected graph of how your business works together and works with your customers. And so as we look at this activity, we're looking across, you know, okay, your customer success team is connected to your sales team and your engineering team, but really only by one person. And so what happens when that one person leaves the organization or what happens when that one person is on vacation and how does that impact the NPS of a particular customer? Or how do we look at across all this activity? What's the true cost of keeping one of your customers? Maybe it's your biggest customer, but it costs you three times what they bring you. And most companies have no way of measuring that type of information. And so, you know, or the type of information that, we're bringing has really been the purview of enterprises and the teams and companies that can bring teams of data scientists and analysts into the mix. And so, you know, we're focused on bringing that type of information to SMBs because they can benefit from those types of insights, maybe not at the same scale, but at a relative scale. And that gives them the opportunity to get out ahead of these problems before it sinks them. Because a small company, you know, In a big company, you can weather these different problems most of the time. It's just like a big ship at sea, right? The waves are are not going to impact you. But within a small company, a big wave can take you out. And we're trying to prevent that from happening. Let me make a small interruption here. Matthew just made an excellent remark about how he is creating value for his customers by focusing on the needs of an underserved market. He's empowering SMBs with the technology advantages typically leveraged by the enterprise market. And this form of democratization 
is something that remarkable software companies often utilize to set themselves apart. They take a counterintuitive approach to the market they target and offer them something highly valuable and desirable. And this is something that you can master as well. To start, I'd recommend you to read or listen to my book The Remarkable Effect. In this book I reveal a framework of 10 traits that define the software businesses that we just keep talking about. You can find it on Amazon.com. Back to the interview. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fascinating how you deal with all of that because a lot of those silos of data and so, well, applications that people are using are creating silos of data where not all the data is defined in the same way, you know? So who is who yes. in the data? Yes, it's structured within the context of each individual tool has its own structure. Yeah. But in the context of the organization as a whole, it's mostly unstructured. And so exactly. we're, we're aiming to bring sort of a common structure to that so that we can apply machine learning to make predictions about where your KPIs are headed or whether your OKRs are going to go off track or how you should make tweaks to your business to be able to you know, mitigate a risk. Like I said, I like this type of development and it's, I think it's much, much needed, possibly not only for SMEs. So not sure whether there's already big results out there, but for what you're seeing right now, before and after with customers or pilot customers, what are you most proud of seeing so far? You know, I think for us, the thing that we're, that we're most proud of is when we see, you know, we see customers sharing the insights that they've gotten or they attend our webinars and they, they talk about the successes that they've seen and how they use the platform. And so, you know, for us, it's about making sure that our customers are seeing value and that our customers are using our platform. Yeah. And that, that continues, it's a, it's a perpetual loop, isn't it? Where we're focused yeah. on, you know, as the customers, that, that energy feeds us. And so that we're, each time we see that, each time we hear these messages, each time we talk to our customers, it just gives more energy. And, and we're very customer driven in terms of our roadmap as well. So, you know, we like to take this feedback from customers on the tools that they're using and the insights they'd like to see and how they want to see it, you know, the landing page for the app and, and so on and so forth. So it's really very important that we continue this dialogue with our customers as they use the platform and as they evolve their companies to continue to drive value. Well, one of the things that I write about in my book, and I think it's trade number, let me see, it's trade number six or seven, I should know that by hand, is that the remarkable software companies have this great ability to turn customers into advocates. And the, the fact that you were bringing this up reminded me of that. So have you done anything specific design-wise in your product to focus on a couple of points where you say, well, this needs to be those magical moments? that people talk about. No, that's a great point. And we really are, you know, in my experience, that getting your customers to be referrals and to be your advocates is the easiest way to grow your company. Exactly. You know, a warm introduction to someone that they know who they're connected to is, is always easier than a cold email by leaps and bounds. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, I think we have to do a better job as a, as a platform for encouraging that type of sharing and encouraging that sort of, you know, how do you get them to have that aha moment? And that's really where a lot of our effort has gone in the last three months as we've looked at the onboarding in particular and how do we make it so that you're able to get insights about how your business gets work done within minutes rather than months. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the moment that happens and the moment they see that, that's where they start talking about it because it's something that they haven't seen before. And it's also something that likely that they don't expect. So, I mean, talking about, I mean, I was making a point about one of the traits of a remarkable software business. You've been running, you said that you have, this is your second company, but you've been around, you've also done, you've been part of the, how do you say, the internet, when the internet started to explode in the early 2000s. What do you believe is the secret behind a company that people talk about? What are characteristics or traits that you need to have? Hmm. Now I'm wishing I'd read your book beforehand. <laughs> so, you know, I think part of it is having an idea that, you know, not necessarily is unique, but has a unique take. And there, you know, every business needs competition. So, you know, it, it's not so much that you have a unique idea, but more that you have a way that you have a unique take on it. I think you have to have a team around you that complements each other. I think you have to be able to get your customers to talk to you and to trust you and to have great things to say about you and to be able to use them as references. So if you have those things and you're able to build, you know, whether it's, if it's a software company, you need to be able to build technology and that's sort of a base foundation layer. If you don't have that, you don't have a software company, but in any business, as long as you're able to, talk about what you do to deliver value to your customers, to get those customers to talk about you. And you've got a great team around you. You can build a company that scales and that people are excited to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with all those points. These are fundamentals. And of course there's a, there's a number of more of those, those traits, but I also like the fact, the fact that you're talking about the fact that your team needs to be, needs to complement each other. And possibly that's also something that you can augment with technology and possibly that's something that you do yourself, you know, and that you actually bring the different people in our organization together where they possibly where they have not been able to get or have not worked together, but should do. And that's definitely a good thing. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Radhika Dutz. She's creating a movement of, it's called Radical Product. And she's talking about the difference between speed and velocity where a lot of organizations, a lot of people always have a lot of speed. They're running and they're busy, busy, busy. They're, you know, they are running at full speed, but because they're all running in a different direction, the velocity of the company is zero <laughs> or negative. And right. with, with the moment you align that and they complement each other and they start to work as a team, that's where the velocity comes in. That's where you create your flywheel. So that's a definitely a very important element of it. That's a really interesting story and analogy. And, you know, we look at it, you know, within the application, we generate personality profiles of the teams ah. based on the activities and how that compares to other individuals on your team and to the organization as a whole, because it impacts how you might carry out a specific conversation or True. the types of people that you should have on your team. And, you know, I think that that also comes back to one of our core values of candor. You have to have a team that's willing to challenge each other respectfully in most yep. cases, right? But if you don't sit there and challenge each other, then, you know, choices are going to get made that are, you know, not necessarily the right ones or that aren't going to give you that cognitive leap as you look to build the business. Yeah. That's a topic that is kind of, yeah, how do you say it in the right words? It's a really important topic during, well, in the tribe that I run as well with tech entrepreneurs, that aspect of generous feedback. Yeah, you can call it candor. It's like it's challenging other in a way that is okay, asking questions, not 
pointing at people, but really, yeah, raising questions about making things better. So it's like not, it's okay, but it's like, I see this, what different can you do? So those type of conversations are about all about leveling up and that's super important. So going towards the end of the interview here, one of the questions I always like to ask is based on the experience that you've built as a, as a technology leader, tech entrepreneur, what are the tidbits of, of wisdom that, that you can share with other tech entrepreneurs or actually as a, people that aspire to be one? What is a piece of advice you can give? So there's many. I mean, I think a couple that come to mind here is, you know, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. (laughs) Running a startup is a marathon and you have to, you know, within any given day or any given week, you're going to be faced with ups and downs and they're going to be very high and they're going to be very low. And you've got to be able to take the edges off of both of those and smooth it out. Otherwise you'll burn yourself out too quickly because you, most companies, most successful businesses aren't the ones that get 10 million in revenue in 18 months. They're going to nope. take five years. They're going to take 10 years, maybe 20. And so, you know, I think that that leads to the second one, which is be careful about comparing yourself to other companies because every company is different. And so, you know, if you are constantly comparing your performance to companies that are entirely different, you're going to wind up driving yourself crazy. And I would say the final one I would say is don't take yourself too seriously. You have to be able to, Yeah. <laughs> if you sit there Good and take one. yourself too seriously, then that's going to impact how you have interactions with your team and how you have interactions with your customer. And so it's important that you maintain the ability to be humble as you have those interactions. Yeah. Very good one. I like that. So if there's anything you could ask the community, ask the people that are listening to this podcast, how can they help you? Great question. You know, I think for us, it's really, you know, I'd love to hear about the problems that companies are trying to solve. What are the types of problems that they're running into as they're growing? And how are they using technology to try to solve those problems? You know, that's really the biggest thing. I could ask you to sign up, but what I really am interested in is how you're trying to solve those problems. Yeah. Well, that's always a good question to ask to get a conversation going and who knows where it brings you. Where can people go to find out more about your company, PeopleLogic? Yeah, you can visit us at peoplelogic.ai or you can look for us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Feel free to reach out to us. My email is matt at peoplelogic.ai. Feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to have a chat. Okay, well, that was all straightforward. Well, thank you very much, Matt for all the insights that you provided and yeah, the inspiring story about your company, which is new, but from what I believe has a great future in front of it itself. So thanks for that. Fantastic. And thanks for having us. We appreciated the time and I enjoyed the conversation. It's the same for me. Thank you. And this ends my interview with Matthew. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked it, please rate it on iTunes or leave a review. And if you got inspired by it and believe other tech entrepreneurs in your network could benefit from it, please share it. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Matthew Smith, founder and CEO of PeopleLogic AI. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required 
to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.